Was Robert Menzies the Jordan Peterson of his time? We've found a young author who thinks this might be the case. My name is Fred Paul, this is the Menzies Research Centre podcast, and with me is Sean Jacobs, who recently published a book called Winners Don't Cheat, and has also written a piece for Spectator Australia called Getting Better with Menzies, Reconnecting with Good Values. That was always going to catch our eye. Sean, how are you? Good, thanks, Fred, and thanks very much for having me on. Pleasure, mate, pleasure. Any friend of Sir Bob Menzies is a friend of ours. Yeah, great. Look, I'm, I'm glad it, it um, caught your attention. Yeah. So um, just tell me initially, what is it about Bob, uh, Sir Bob Menzies that appeals to you, Sean? Yeah, look, I think when you go back and you read Menzies, you see that he placed above all the highest premium on being an individual. And um, I meant you mentioned my book at the start of the show there, Winners Don't Cheat. And um, I had a really slow start out of high school. And it was one of the key motivators for writing that book was turning myself around and able being able to build skills, look at myself as an individual, set goals, um, build strong habits, look at role models. But it all came back to placing this really high premium on being an individual. And I remember in my first years of working down in Canberra before I was a security specialist, I spent some time with the Commonwealth Government. I came across this guy uh, Robert Menzies and I remember reading a lot of his stuff and thinking wow this guy's speaking directly to me and one of the things that really jumped out to me in all of his stuff was the famous quote where he said the desire to think create accept risks rewards and the prospect of adventure are all individual matters there's no government department that can create these things and you know I think he wrote that or he echoed that in his forgotten people um, that's from that's from the importance of cheerfulness, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. And look, that's back in the you know in the 1940s. But this is something that I think that just completely jumps out and appealed to me. You know, being a young guy like myself. Um, you know, in, in back in 2016 um, when I was down in Canberra. So, yeah, it's just that that's one of the things I think I, I, that really appeals to me about Menzies is he places this strong premium on being an individual and not seeing yourself as part of a, of a group. And I think that's just a really strong message to be um, absorbing or to be put out today. It's essentially the Lockean worldview really, isn't it? That's right. Look, I think, and um, you know, I think these ideas are definitely coming back into vogue now. Um, you know, especially if you look at the landscape that we're in at the moment where, um, you know, identity politics, safe spaces, cry closets, um, you know, even emotional support animals and these sorts of things. There's a lot of coddling or smothering now where I think that sort of premium on the individual is under a little bit of pressure. A lot of things, I think, are just being able to uncover elements of the past which are, you know, positives. And um, Manzi's definitely is a great example and Locke and stuff like that. Just on that note, though, it's very interesting, I think, um, you know, you look, for example, at a lot of the progressive politics and, you know, a generation ago, a lot of the people who have found, as you mentioned, who would have been Greens back then were very, um, I guess, antithetical towards the state or state intervention. But a lot of the progressive politics you're seeing now, a lot of the Green left are actually inviting more state intervention. So you're right, things have flipped over a little bit and become a lot more kind of mixed. That's right. So one of the leading advocates for our side of the debate is, of course, Jordan Peterson. And I believe you have a bit of a theory that uh, Robert Menzies was the Jordan Peterson of his time. Can you elaborate on that? (laughs) Yeah, look, I think, 
Yeah, look, it's an interesting one, but I have sort of written a little bit about this. But what I mentioned before about uncovering Menzies and placing a premium on the individual, um, you know, you look at Jordan Peterson, for example, and one of the key messages he has is to tidy up your room before going out and rallying against Western civilization. Um, yep. You know, about getting yourself together and transcending your stuff, your suffering. He says it's the oldest story of mankind. And I think his other lesson as well is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And you really scratch around and you find that Menzies was talking about a lot of these things, um, whether it's, you know, his, his examples by being resilient and learning from failure. But also, as I mentioned, just coming back to that desire to think, create and accept risks and have that individual self-agency but and that, that element of character and duty, that a lot of what Menzies spoke about is really getting espoused a lot by Jordan Peterson. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, Jordan puts it well and in a modern context. One of the... The thing that everyone comes back to in the Forgotten People speech is... The, the, the sort of technical definition that Menzies gives to the forgotten people, which he says are salary earners, shopkeepers, skilled artisans, professional men and women, farmers and so on. And I, I think that, I mean, that's a very uh, prosaic description of the people he's referring to. But there's another part in that forgotten people speech, and I'm, I'm springing this on you, I'm hoping you're familiar with it, where he describes the homes where these people live and their relationship to art, which is the, the you know, that this is the area that us conservatives are meant to be not very good at. But Menzies' description of it, to me, is extremely poetic. He, he calls, calls these people frugal people to whom the margin above bare living means a chance to reach out a little towards that heaven which is just beyond our grasp. Now, I think that's fantastic. I mean, that's... Peterson is a, is is in his element very poetic as well. Do you think um, Menzies is the 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 poetry of Menzies uh, speeches is a little underappreciated? Yeah, look, I think so, and I like that point on art. I do remember that. Um, you know that that idea of expression, that idea of you know about I guess some of the complaints of the human condition as well. That I think. That Peterson talks a lot about as well. Um, you know, one of the things I think that makes Peterson so appealing that I think ties a little bit to this the point that you're mentioning um, is this idea that the starting point in life isn't, you know, Peterson talks a lot about how the starting point in life is not um, this sort of fuzzy feel-good optimism that you're not supposed to feel good all the time, but the, the world is actually full of malevolence and a lot of, and full of suffering. So the idea, the whole point is just trying to ins, inspire yourself to just get to create things that are a little, just a little bit better. And I think that's that, you know, that's a perfect fit for that quote that you just mentioned about just that touch of that shred. It is indeed, yes. In fact, it, it makes me realise um, Menzies was speaking in the midst of a war and talking at talking about essentially how how positive life can be. Peterson is talking during a period of prolonged peace and prosperity and he often says that life is nothing but misery punctuated occasionally with moments of satisfaction or joy. So, I mean, um, you know, you'd think that they'd be uh, the other way around, but there you go. Yeah, sure, that's right. And I think it's interesting too that what 
you know, Menzies placed, he, he, you read his stuff again, and I'm a huge fan, but you look back and what he admired most in a lot of people were actually a lot of people who were um, the British, just everyday British citizens who were under the Blitz. And he said that he was really moved by their stoicism in the middle of it. And then you'd actually find in that not a lot of chest thumping, but a lot of humility. So he said that if you ex- if you were to go out and look at them, you'd find few heroics, oddly little black rage, no imitation intellectualism and no showing off. And I think that's just a really good example of humility under siege, um, you know, at, war- at wartime, like you say, when Menzies were look- was looking at these values. But I think as well to just put it into the modern context, we're certainly not in the same realm as, you know, 1942. But, um, you know, you you are seeing these things that are a threat to liberty. So if it's stifling correctness, um, identity politics, and the sort of grievance industry that we're now enduring or experiencing, the reason why these things are so volatile and so seismic is because they do share that threat to individual liberty. And um, I think that's sort of what, you know, Menzies and Peters, Menzies was talking about at that time, which is staring down tyranny. Um, but then today, although we're not staring down tyranny, we're looking at a different kind of curve on liberties that that's what Peterson's appealing to. You know, a lot of people, you know, like I mentioned at the start, I, I modelled a bit of my turnaround um, coming out of school and on, on Menzies, even though I didn't know who he was at the time. But um, a lot of people wouldn't know who Menzies are, who are a lot of Peterson followers. Um, but then I think they instinctively or indirectly are absorbing Menzies' message and the fact that a lot of young people want to build skills, want to be resilient and also, you know, anti-fragile and just be better equipped to um, prosper in the modern world, which is what Menzies really talked about. So while they might not know who Menzies is, they're certainly, I think, striving towards some of the values that he talked about. Yeah. Let's talk about your book, mate. What's the... What's the thesis of your book? Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, Fred, I had a really slow start out of high school and I was able to turn that slow start into working for the Australian Aid Program in the South Pacific, um, working for the UN in Port Moresby in PNG, which is where I was born and where my mother's from. And then, as I mentioned too, uh, working for a few years for the National Security Advisor in Canberra. But, you know, I took 11 attempts to get into uni uh, so certainly was a bit of a slow starter and a lot of my book is just really how to really plug that gap about not having the skills and experience compared to where you want to go Um, you know coming from a position of thinking a lot about your rights at the time and not so much your responsibilities and then just sort of knowing that you've got a sense of character or an element of character inside of you but it hasn't quite been tested or refined yet so I talk a lot about in the book, education versus employability, the importance of goal setting, building skills, finding the right role models, uh, becoming a better writer, and then just matching a lot of lessons from you know academics through to sports stars and philosophers, economists and entertainers, and yeah, look, even former prime ministers like Robert Menzies. <laughs> Where does cheating come into it, or not cheating, I should say? Yeah, I think like I, I the title of the book appealed to me. Um, because there's another book called Winners Never Cheat um, by a guy called John Huntsman Sr. His son is now the U.S. ambassador uh, to Russia, and he was a former uh, Republican presidential uh, nominee candidate. But in that book that I read a few years ago, he talks a lot about these core values of, of thrift, 
of enterprise, of courage, and how business and commerce exists as an exercise in not in greed and exploitation, but really as a place that where individuality and and good values intersect with you know capitalism and and free markets. And that really jumped out to me as a good title, just about being honest, about being straight up and down, yes, but then also being honest to yourself and then working really hard on yourself to um, build skills and cultivate a career and organize your own landscape. Well, brings us back to Peterson. You know, he says, don't lie, or at least, at least, what is it? Um, at least always tell the truth, I think it is. Um, yeah, that's right. Some advice that would get you in the hot water a lot of the time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Sean. Um, your book, uh, Winners Don't Cheat, is available at Connor Court. And uh, like I said, you've, uh, you've got a piece about the, uh, our uh, figurehead, Sir Robert Menzies, up on The Spectator at the moment. Sean, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks very much, Fred. It's been an absolute pleasure and keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah.